Yeah, today's reading is taken from uh, Psalm 25 and could be found on page uh, 459 in the Church Bible. Teach me your paths. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me known to your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. For those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt. For it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me. For I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness Preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Sorry for barging in on the order and getting you up here before. Yeah, that's off. That's good. Good morning, everybody. Good to be uh, back amongst you. For those who may have forgotten, my name's uh, Glenn Decker, one of the pastors here. Um, for the last 10 weeks, oh, it's actually been 12 weeks if you consider, or 11 weeks, consider when I preached last here. Um, I've been on uh, a sabbatical, uh, which Coralyn and I both um, just see as a gift and an orchestration of God. Uh, for us. Uh, we are extremely thankful to God uh, for <laughs> making this happen and extremely thankful to you as a church uh, for making this happen as well. So yes, I've put up some uh, sabbatical uh, snaps. Uh, as I said to Carolyn this morning, this might not be the most sort of stock standard exegetical sermon, but it's a bit of my testimony as well. Uh, of the last 10 weeks and I did want to give you a bit of a picture, uh, we wanted to give you a bit of a picture um, of some of the travel, uh, the road that we've travelled and some of the things that 
um, God's been doing in our lives as well. The day we left, um, Pete prayed over us and he gave us six um, uh, words that start with R. Um, and they, I, I have a sense that those words became quite prophetic, uh, prophetic for us. And they were words that I often uh, focused on and um, thought about. And so the first uh, three were um, rest, uh, relationship and release. Uh, and for that, uh, it was really something that um, I personally experienced, um, but I think I know Coraline as well. Um, during our sabbatical, we had time away. Um, where there was, for me, a lot of uh, resting and uh, relaxing. And uh, God, uh, I don't know, renewed my mind, uh, my body, and my soul uh, in that as well. Um, I think uh, Coraline and my relationship, um, we had some space just to be able to be together um, and work on, or just talk through, through things in ways that we uh, wouldn't normally. Relationships with uh, us as a family, um, being such a cold winter, uh, we had heaps of times where we just had the fire going um, and we just vegged out in the lounge. Um, the boys were hanging around. I think you can see some of their feet on the tables and stuff like that, um, where we just uh, could be as a family. Um, and that was um, for some, even just things like not going out every night of the week and things like that, where we actually, um, our family relationships were just one that we connected and uh, it just grew in. It wasn't like the, you know, we all were having the sitting around having these deep theological discussions or family discussions. We still had the, we actually still had the routine of life and that, but there was something about it that God uh, spoke into us as a family and me particularly uh, on how much priority I give my family um, and how much space and time I give them as well. And some of the release, um, I think that was a big thing for me, just getting out of the, rele or the release of the responsibility of pastoring in the church and not um, having that on my heart and head the whole time. There was um, uh, the, the, you know, a sense of release of that sort of pressure um, which um, ministers to your soul and your heart and your being. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. So, yeah, some of our snaps. I did um, so lots of painting on the weekend. I, I, I mean, on the weekend, over the uh, sabbatical. I've been, that's been my creative outlet. I also, if you see those uh, beautiful coffee tables there, I actually even made some coffee tables and did some uh, furniture making as well. Um, and for me, um, this was a place, and my painting and, and that sort of stuff is a way that um, it's a creative outlet for me uh, through which I actually engage and connect with God. Um, and uh, for you who are creative or artistic or whatever it is, uh, I encourage you to explore those, um, those gifts and, and, and who you are as, as, as people and engage with God in them and wrestle with God in them and uh, communicate with God in and through them. Um, and there was uh, many a times uh, during um, my sort of creative outlet that uh, God was speaking and interacting um, uh, Coral and I got away, as we said, we climbed mountains and went to beaches and stuff like that, which was really nice. And for me, getting out in nature is a place where I connect with God, I experience his awesomeness and his wonder um, and give something of a, a perspective to my life. We had lots of good food and 
Oh, Bono's in there as well. That's right. I, I started taking Bono's our dog. Um, I started taking Bono for a walk. I didn't do it lots, but I did a few times. And even in this walking the dog thing, I could have this interaction with God sort of as I was walking around our neighborhood and stuff like that, as well as doing some stuff. And just all of these things pieced together. Um, there was a sense of God interacting with us, me, um, and hearing his voice in it. Um, the one down the corner, if anyone heard me before, sabbatical, people kept asking me what I'm going to do in the sabbatical. And I kept saying, oh, I'm just going to have beer and chips on the deck. That's <laughs> and I just put that there because I did have some beer and chips as well. Uh, but it was in front of the fire because it was too cold to get out of. Um, and there was something in just being able to put my feet up and relax that um, God interacted in. And we are so thankful uh, for that. Uh, we'll go to the next slide, and just in case you thought that's all I did, it wasn't. <laughs> um, I did lots of reading, uh, so these are my sabbatical reads. Um, I said to people before I went on sabbatical, um, I hadn't read a full book, uh, apart from maybe Simple Church, but, a, but I hadn't read a full book for somewhere between 12 to 18 months. And I'd just been sort of snacking here and there and reading little bits and stuff like that. Uh, and there was a sense during my sabbatical that I actually got back my reading mojo <laughs> or something like that, where I actually got some books and be, had the time to actually read, um, take them in and, um, and ponder them. So one of the key books uh, in my journey was The Contemplative Pastor. And I'll share a bit about that later where God spoke to me through that book. A book on prayer by Tim Keller, hero of mine. <laughs> uh, and prayer, but it's the subheading one, you probably won't be able to read it, but it says, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. Highly, highly, highly recommend that book in terms of taking your prayer life into an experience with God and not just a list of things or a duty or stuff like that. Uh, the Heart is the Target, which is a Murray Capel book about uh, preaching and how to engage um, people's hearts in preaching, which spoke to me as well. Uh, on my retreat, I read The Shack. If you haven't read that, that was a real um, uh, a, a, a relational connection for me. Just con it challenged me and as to how I'm connecting with God. It's a bit controversial if you want to. But um, it was a, a book that just took me. I wasn't expecting to read it. It was just on a shelf in a, in a retreat that I went to. And I just read it in about uh, less than a day. And God spoke to me in that. One of the other books that I'm reading at the moment that I've started is Crucial Conversations, which is around how to uh, engage with people around the truth and uh, maintain um, friendships and relationship as you speak the truth in love to people as well. The other two books, or the big books, uh, I read through the Psalms, uh, through my um, sabbatical as well, and God spoke to me powerfully through, uh, through the Psalms. Um, and the book Revelation. So one of the other R's was Revelation. People put Revelation. And so I, I, so there was this sense of, oh, what's gonna, God going to reveal to me? Uh, and he revealed to me to read the book Revelation, um, which is a bit freaky. <laughs> but I actually read the And God's been speaking to me um, uh, through the book of Revelation as well, which I'll share about um, later as well. Um, and through these uh, things um, and through journaling, God uh, probably... Um, uh, took me to a place of deeper connection and relationship with him. I th I've said it before, and it's always hard to say, because I think you guys think, oh, I'm a pastor, so I'm so super spiritually connected to God, and um, my quiet times and prayer life are just awesome and amazing. Uh, well, they're not. 
And um, if I look back over the last 12 and 18 months before sabbatical, this is really what sort of caught me off guard when I started to engage with this. God showed me how little time I was actually spending with him and how much time I was actually doing stuff. And even my prayers had become, I've got to pray for them. Oh, I've got to get my Bible read. I've got to... And actually, he taught me, no, this is about me and my relationship with you. And God um, took me to this place to learn to how to um, meditate on his word and to connect with him and sit with him. Um, and as I speak about these things over the coming days, weeks and months, um, I'm going to encourage the church, you as a church, where do you find those places and where do you find those spaces um, to have that sort of connection. It may not look like a 10-week sabbatical, um, but there are um, sabbatical... I've become a bit of a sabbatical advocate, um, and it's how do you put sabbatical, this, this, this idea of resting and, and, and communing with God, how do you put that into your day, into your week, into your month, uh, into your life? And I'm going to sort of talk a bit about that as we go through over the coming month, weeks and months. Um, so uh, there's some books, go on to the next slide, uh, sabbatical reflections. Uh, one of the things that uh, my coach, who I, I caught up with um, every couple of weeks, I caught up with Michael Vandery, who was sort of um, coaching me through this, um, and he said, how are you going to capture these thoughts? Um, and actually sort of encouraged me to grab a journal, and I journaled um, every day of uh, my sabbatical, uh, and just writing down thoughts, um, things that I've been reading, and they're not pages and pages and stuff. I'm not a journaler that writes. You don't, when you journal, you don't have to write pages. It's just dot points. Some pages are quite blank. Others are full. Um, but it was a place to actually just sit and write and reflect. And, um, and there's a little book that I've got that I'm using to uh, revisit and will pull stuff out of over the coming. Uh, I, I, I had a retreat time away. I went to a place, uh, a spiritual retreat for a couple of days and a place where I could actually just sit with God, even out of family routine, uh, and a place where God uh, could interact with the things that were in my head. Uh, got up into the hills. That's a picture of a tree, if you're wondering what that was. Um, and, and just connected with him in nature as well. Um, and this was the thing that, again, caught me a little bit off guard, but really quite early on in my sabbatical, there was this sense that God uh, reminded me <laughs> of the fact that I actually really love the church. And it's the church that drives what I do. And when I say the church, I mean you as people. Uh, it's not the doing stuff. There's a line in the book, uh, The Contemplative Pastor, where he, uh, talks he's talking to his pastor mate, and his pastor mate says, he asks, what do you do? His pastor mate says, I'm a pastor, I run a church. And he uh, actually challenged him and said, no, actually, I don't know if that's what pastors are called to do. They're not called to run a church. They're called to pastor to the church. They're called to things like prayer and preaching and uh, caring for the people and uh, encouraging praise and things like that. And so um, that was a real line for me. That's what um, my calling was. And Carolyn and I wrestled with that together. And uh, we feel that we're called uh, to his church, wherever that may be, whatever context that may be. And at the moment, it's here in one, at One Hope. But uh, who knows where it may be in the coming uh, years. But it's this idea to see the church grow and flourish in uh, what God's called them to be. Um, meditation, oh, discipline, delight. I want to encourage you in this because, you know, you, I'm, I'm going to be talking about this in the context of 10 weeks. And I know that you guys 
do this in the daily life? How do you do prayer? How do you read your Bible? How do you take time out from God amidst running families, working, uh, doing life, school, exams, all that sort of stuff? And there's something about that prayer and Bible reading becomes discipline. You know, we talk about spiritual disciplines. We talk about that being hard work. And there is an element that that's hard work. And one of the things that I probably discovered and started implementing is this discipline delight. If your discipline doesn't leave you with a sense of joy at the end of it, then stop doing it. <laughs> and and I, I was, yeah, So when you're reading the Bible, I'm like, I, I get yourself to the point at the end, what makes me smile about what I've just read? What actually brings me joy about? What is it, the truth of this, what I've just read, that brings me something of joy? It gives me a bigger perspective or something like that. Or when I'm praying, I don't know, what is it, God, that, I just, you know, th- that I've prayed stuff and that I can actually do that? I can actually talk to the living God and he hears and answers and it actually brings me sense of delight. That I come to church and I praise him and there's all sorts of miss and mess and stuff around, but it actually brings me a sense of delight. And I think for me individually and I think for us as a church, how do we discover our delight again, our joy this uh, in in the discipline of it. Um, so we'll go to the next slide. Um, so this is sort of where Psalm 25, I, I preached on Psalm 25 before I left on sabbatical um, and, um, and it had been sort of around in, in my head around um, um, around guidance and direction and things like that and yet um, coming back I thought Psalm 25 is a good um, summary for me in some ways of some of the things that happened on sabbatical. And so I've come up with these four Ps. These come out of um, the Contemplative Pastor book that, um, that have been spoken to me around uh, prayer, preaching, people and praise. Um, and I want to expand on them a little bit um, this morning. Uh, just as we go into this, while we're on sabbatical, we went to I think about six different churches six or seven different churches over the time. And every time I'd go into church there, I'd sit down and start sitting in the church and I'd start doing the checklist. They're not starting on time. Shivers. People are turning up five, ten, fifteen minutes late. (laughs) Last week the church I went to started ten minutes late. I started looking around what people were doing and then the, um, you know, the people that would get up to do announcements and stuff like that, they were quirky and they were making jokes that were just like, it's cringing. A couple of, um, a couple of um, worship bands, I thought, they haven't practiced. What, you know, they, they went, although one of them had a banjo, we've got to get a banjo in. That was pretty, pretty good, banjo. We're bringing back banjos, I reckon. Um, stuff like that. Um, some of the preachers were really good, but others were like, uh, I think you need to read Murray's book. Uh, it's not that great or um, stuff like that. Um, but here's the thing. God sort of convicted me <laughs> as I sat uh, in the pews. He said, uh, there was a sense that, Glenn, just remember, this is my church and my church is made up of messed up, quirky broken, sinful people that are trying to work out how to live for me and they can never do it right. (laughs) Yet, this is what I want you to know, Glenn, I love them. I love them to the point that I would send my son to die for them. 
and they are my church in all their quirkiness and all their sinfulness and all their brokenness and all their messed upness. I want you to love them because they're my church, they're my kids. I want you to pastor them, encourage them and grow them. And I thought, what? <laughs> and I think that's a message I want to bring back to us as a church. Just realise, and this, this is by no means, and I keep saying it, this is by no means an excuse for mediocrity and half-heartedness. We still need to ex- strive for excellence and, and rightness and do things well and good and stuff like that. But just rec- recognise that we are broken and we are messed and we do have our quirky personalities and traits and stuff like that. But we are called to love each other because Christ loves us that way. Um, and that was for me just another stirring moment um, uh, during our sabbatical and something I want to bring back uh, into my ministry here as well. Uh, these P's, uh, Psalm 25, for me is a bit of a summary of the Psalms. When I was reading through the Psalms, these four things kept coming out time and time and time again. And I just, for me, it sort of sums up the essence of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a church, that these four things um, are, are, are core to what we do, uh, personally and corporately. Um, so I'm going to quickly just race through them. We'll go to the next slide, prayer. Um, prayer, and this is what I was starting to talk about, that our prayer is something that brings us into intimacy with God. Uh, it's a place where you bear your soul. If you read through the Psalms, look at the start of Psalm 25, for Leon read, 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 look at the, some of the language he's there. He's saying, God, I'm bearing you my soul. And I've talked to you about this in Psalms before. You get everything in the Psalms. You get bitter anger from David and stuff like that. You get um, how long this doesn't make sense, God, you're not who you are. And, you know, you get the joys of victory. You get, um, you know, the great um, testimonies of God's power. And you get the highs and lows and all the emotions. And in the, in the midst of this, so in your prayers, I, I encourage you to pour out your soul. Bring out these things to God and uh, lay them before Him. And as I've been saying to people, and I've been saying it here for years, um, and, and you know, what you find pretty well in all the Psalms is, as I pour out your, my soul, as I pour out how I'm feeling, as I tell you what's going on, I trust you. You hear that in the front of the Psalms? I trust you, Lord. I trust you for who you are and who I am because of you. And in the midst of this circumstance, I will uh, pray and cry out to you. Um, and David does this particularly. So David, many of the Psalms, and for me as pastor in the church, uh, this whole idea of David as leader uh, of his people and the call to pray for his people, uh, the call to um, see prayer as a, an intimate connection place between God and his people. And I want to talk about that and use that uh, in my ministry uh, moving forward. We'll go to the next one, which is preaching. You might think, oh, preaching. Uh, and I'm not just talking about preaching up here. <laughs> preaching is the proclaiming of God's Word or actually having people engage with the Word. It might be preaching, it might be teaching, it might be meditation. And something that you read as you go through Psalm 25 and many of the Psalms, uh, what happens is there um, is uh, that David and the psalmist preach to themselves. If you have a look at some of the, uh, the verses in there, in 8 and following, he says... Um, how good is the Lord? He does this and he does that. So what's he doing? He's preaching to himself. 
he's reminding himself who God is and how good this God is and what he's done and what it means to have him uh, connect. And so as we read the word, we need to take this word and put it into our hearts and say, what's he saying to us? What are you saying to us in this? Um, And so I want us to be a church uh, that loves the word. And here's the thing probably that... um, that spoke to me in my sabbatical is this idea of being able to meditate on the word is to actually take the word and and to meditate probably just the basic description of that is to think deeply on Uh, eastern meditation is to empty your mind of don't sort of go that line Uh, biblical meditation is think deeply on this Take it deep, ponder it, think it around, run it around in your head. How does this work? How does this live? And so that as you read the Word, you don't just check off, oh, I've read Psalm 25, I've done my devotions today. No, you take it with you and you say, what does this say to me today? How is this going to change the way that I live? Can you write it on a card and, and, and stick it on your steering wheel of your car or something like that and say, what does this say to me today? Or I'm going to write it in my phone or it's going to go on my computer. That I'm going to think about this and it's going to, it's going to change me. I'm going to ask God, what does it mean when I read this? Whether it's a, you know, a big long passage or whether it's only just a short little passage. Uh, this idea of thinking deeply on it because knowing that it is God's word uh, to us. And here's the thing that I, I constantly found as I spent lots of time in the Bible is the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And the reading of the Bible, what does the reading of the Bible do? It reminds us of who God is and who we are because of Him. And I've been saying that for years. And it, the Bible reminds us of who God is and who we are. So it doesn't matter what circumstance we're in. Remember all the Psalms? You know, there's some Psalms where David's in the pit of depression. He can't even get out of bed. He said, my bed is soaking full of tears because I'm just so depressed and down. And what does he say? But this, I'll do, I'll trust God. I know that you are the Redeemer of Israel. I know that you're sending someone to save us. And I'll trust you in it. And it gives a, a broader perspective. And when he's on the top of the mountain and he's, you know, he's just won a victory over his enemies, but he says, God, it's not me that's won the victory, it's you that's won the victory. It gives him a perspective again that keeps him humble in that situation. And he takes the word and he meditates on it. He takes it deeper to us so that it reminds us, and this is my, the, the line that I've been resonating with, it reminds us of our reality. Okay, so if we're believing this to be true, this is our reality. The reality is that there's a creator God who has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will get us through this situation. The promise is that there is a creator God that if you pray and ask, sometimes he changes that situation. And if he doesn't change the situation, he'll get you through the situation. And it starts to change my perspective. I I shivers, yeah, actually. (laughs) My life is held in the big picture of God. I am who he, I am because of who he is um, and who he said he is. And it changes um, things. Uh, the la- uh, people, where are we? Uh, preaching people. This is the other one, and I've already talked about this. The church is full of messed up, quirky people trying to uh, live for God. So love the people as God does. God called, you know, this is the way I love my church. I want you to love them the same way uh, for who they are and not what they do. And uh, when I come to people, this is people in the church, but it's also, um, Andrew and I have this thing, we talk about a love in or a love out. (laughs) And sometimes the church, we can be just a love in. 
This is not just a love. There's a sense that we, we love in and we know who we are, but then we turn around and then we love out because there are people out there that God's still calling into his community. Uh, there are, you know, we're on a mission to reach those who are lost and caring and hurting, but we need to know this, who we are, as we go out. And so we love in and we love out uh, the people. We'll go to the next one, uh, praise. And this comes fully through all the Psalms. What does he do through all the Psalms? And what does he do as he uh, interacts with God? He tells God, he tells the church, and he tells the world who God is and who he is because of God. And that's praise. You tell other people who God is, what he's done. Uh, you tell God, uh, you tell uh, the world, you tell God, and uh, you tell your church, your family, you tell the world how great God is, what he has done, what things he's done. You tell, you tell the world, you tell God, you tell others how great your life is because of God. And I'll put this, despite your circumstances. So in the midst of darkness or depression, or de- you still tell people how great your life is. Even though I'm feeling like this, I know that my life is held by the Creator God and He has an eternal future set for me and somehow He's going to get me through this whether I live or die, I'm in eternity with Him. Isn't life great? And that doesn't mean you're going to be bouncing around happy and joy, but there is a sense of contentment and hope and purpose as you begin to praise and tell people, tell the world, and tell God uh, how great he is. So over the uh, coming weeks and months and years, maybe, uh, these things are going to hopefully come out of my ministry, and I want to continue to um, encourage us to be a church of prayer and uh, preaching and engaging with people and praise, that we would be... um, the children of God living as his family for his glory. But if you're astute listeners, you might be asking a question right now, is where's Jesus in all of this? He hasn't really spoken about Jesus much. (laughs) Where's Jesus in all of this? And that's what I want to do now is we're going to go and celebrate Lord's Supper because God has been speaking to me about Jesus and um, where Jesus fits into the church as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask our um, music ministry team to come up and we're going to sing a song about Jesus and then I'm going to lead us into a time of Lord's Supper and reflect a little bit on that uh, as we uh, continue to worship and engage with God and his people. So uh, this song is None But Jesus. So it's just starting to focus us in on Jesus and who he is, what he's done for us uh, as a church. So please stand and uh, let's sing together and praise as we sing about Jesus. Jesus.